if you would be so kind this morning as to look in your scriptures, this should be easy today. It's right, the first book of the Bible is in Genesis. You can follow through either in your scripture. Uh, the worship guide also has the scripture for this morning, and I will be reading it as a proclamation of the word. Listen to and for the word of the Lord. This is the account of the family line of Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, and from Padam Aram, and sister of Laban, the Aramean, also. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife, because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. The babies jostled and tussled each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. The older will serve the younger. When the time come for her, when the time came for her to give birth, there were two twin boys. The first to come out was reddish, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. They called him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping to Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The word of the Lord. It is fascinating that as I am, as we are going through the, uh, the series of teachings on 12 minor prophets, what we're doing this fall, we are actually going through one-third of them. We have two-thirds of the series to go through, so don't tire out with me. Just keep on hassling, keep on going. And, and we're dealing with uh, uh, the 12 minor prophets of the Old Testament. 12 prophets who proclaim God's oracle to God's people in different times, actually, of a period of between three and 400 years, uh, some of them were in Judah, some of them were in, in the northern Israel, but they all were oracles from God, warning God's people, guiding God's people into what is best for their lives, and, and guess what the people of Israel did with the word of the Lord? They ignored it. Basically, all of them did, because if it was pre-exilic, and this is before the, the exile period of Babylon and Assyria, the 70 years, they never listened to God. We just heard it last, last week with Amos. Amos' amazing prophecy, in so many ways he tried to communicate it to the people, and they never listened to God. And they were taken in exile. Interestingly enough, they learned a lot while they were there. But in the first of the, of the minor prophets that, that we studied, it was Hosea. And in Hosea, we found out that God has an amazing, faithful love for us. Actually, we found out that even though we can be unfaithful, even though that we are unfaithful, 
God remains faithful because God cannot decline, deny who God is. And what we have found out in each one of these prophets is that each one of them is telling us one of the attributes of God. So if in Hosea we found out the great faithfulness of God, in, in, in um, Joel we found out the amazing sovereignty of God. A sovereignty that is of such nature that controls not only the times and days, controls not only the seasons and even the pests and plagues, but controls our spiritual life, has a whole grip on our life in such a way that nothing created in this heaven or this earth can separate us from the love of this sovereign God. Last week, we were talking about Amos. And Amos' prophecy was God comparing God's people with God's standard. And we found out that we were all missing God's standard. But we also found out that Christ has become our plumb line. That Christ is our righteousness. And that when Christ is our righteousness, we then become in Christ the righteousness of God. And that is an amazing truth as we can continue to live in freedom our lives. Today I want to share with you briefly about Obadiah. Obadiah. Oh, poor Obadiah. He is the smallest of all the 12 prophets. Only 21 verses in the whole document. So there's a lot to say about Obadiah. Not. Uh, So Obadiah prophesies to the people of Judah. And again, he is actually prophesying to the people in Judah, but he's complaining about Edom. Now, who and what was Edom? Edom was one of the countries that surrounded or bordered with Israel. In particularly during the divided kingdom, the kingdom of Judah bordered with the kingdom of Edom. Now, if you, would have, if you and I would have kept on reading our scripture reading in the chapter 25th of Genesis we would have encountered not far verses from where we stopped the idea that that, uh, uh, the brother Esau gave away his birthright by what? Exchanging it for what? For a soup, a lentil soup we find out. At the end of the chapter, there was a lentil soup. Lentil must have been of such nature in that time that it looked red. The word for Hebrew for red is Edom. So another name that you find Esau's being described in scripture is by the name of Edom. Esau is synonymous with Edom in the Old Testament. And it was them that were inside poor old Rebecca. Oh, why is this happening to me? How many of you have asked that question? Why is this happening to me? Let me see the hands. Come on. Oh, very good. Wrong question. The question should be, what for? But we know that. However, so these two babies were fighting inside the mom's womb. When they come out of the womb, they sort of come out fighting. Jacob is holding on to Esau's heel. They're not letting go. Actually, they grew up together fighting. They grew up together one tricking the other. They grew up together in animosity. They grew up together competing with one another. They grew up together with what today we would call a very complex sibling rivalry syndrome that transcends not only their own family and their own lives, but goes beyond to generation from generation 
Hatfields and McCoy kind of thing. This animosity between peoples developed. And 800 years later, after the birth of these two kids, the animosity continues. And the Lord finds Edom at want. The Lord finds Edom at fault. The Lord finds Edom not doing the best that Edom could have done. Look at the location where Edom is in relation to Judah. And yet, look, listen to the neighborly reactions. By the way, the main sin, the main thing that distracted Edom from God was what? Pride. Pride in themselves. Pride in the fact that they were better than the Judeites. They were better than the Israelites. Pride because they were able to negotiate treaties with the other countries in Assyria. And they never were bothered by the other countries until later. But listen to the pride of your hearts has deceived you. The pride of your heart has actually letting you know falsely that you're safe. Letting you know in a falsehood that you are safe. Our egocentrism sometimes, our sense of self-satisfaction, our sense that we are okay and that we need nothing or no one to help us is a matter of self-deception. We are children in need of a God who is who's handing out, extending out his hand to reach to us. Yet our self-righteousness, our thinking that we're good because we compare to others. How many of you are good because you compare to others? Wrong comparison. Compare yourself to God, and then you have a fair comparison. And if each one of us compares ourselves to God, we're going to find each one of us wanting. We're going to find each one of us not even an inch above the soil or a gram above the dust of the ground. Oh, it's an ill sense of superiority, a sense that I'm better than you because I got more than you. You're right. Well, listen to how God identifies this kind of behavior. He calls it violence. He calls it violence in verse 10 of of the whole prophecy. Because of the violence you did to your close relatives. Oh, now we're getting into family issues here. Who is your neighbor? Who is your relative? Because of the violence... You did to your close relatives in Israel. You should not gloat. Listen to how friendly they were, these neighbors. You should not gloat over your brothers in the day of misfortune. What violence, gloating over others. Nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction. Nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. You should not march through their gates of my people in the day of their disaster. Nor gloat over them in their calamity in the day of their disaster, nor seize their wealth in the day of their disaster. You should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives, nor hand over the survivors in the day of their trouble. Who would like a neighbor like that? Edom decided not to seek after God. And you see, the story of the two brothers continue and, 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 and evolves into the moment in which one of them finds himself, Jacob, finds himself seeking after God, 
fighting for God's blessing. While Esau decided to remain jealous, to remain resentment, and, and to feel it into bitterness and hatred that separated the people for ages and ages and ages. Now you need to understand that Esau is not necessarily Muslims. The whole idea of Islam didn't come out until 400 years, 500 years after Jesus. Okay, so there's no relationship here to that. Some people build those bridges to just justify their hate of others. So we read in Genesis 32, in the life of Jacob, as Jacob decides to follow God. I mean, let me be honest with you. Both were tricksters. Both were liars. Both were sinners. Why one then has the blessing of God and the other one has the rejection from God? Why one has the, the, the grace of God and the other one just has talk to the hand kind of from God? This left Jacob, says chapter 32, all alone in the camp. And a man and woman, uh, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn became to break morning. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, listen to this. Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. He fought for the blessing. He fights for a blessing that he knows that he needs because he knows who he is, but he decides to fight for a blessing. He decides to seek what God has better, even though he knows he doesn't deserve it, even though he knows he's not up to standard with God. He knows that if he fights for it, if he perseveres, if he sticks to it, he may get the blessing. And it actually happens. You see, Jacob is an example of each one of us who wants to change our lives from a life of hate into a life of love. Who wants to change our lives from a life of war and, and conflict and issues and drama to a life of peace and friendship. He, he, he just wants us to live uh, from suspicion. Jesus wants us to stop being suspicious of one another and trust in one another. He wants us to stop fearing one another and develop and turn those fears into friendship. He wants to transform and change our anxieties into restful place of wholeness. He wants to take our emotional slavery to whatever we're emotionally slave or addicted to, to freedom and, and missions. He wants to take our animosity into, into joyful friendliness. He wants to take our complacency into joyful mission. He wants to take our withholding back into generosity and, and liberality of not only finances, but of our lives to others. He wants to take our life of shutteredness into a life of openness, a life of reclusion to a life of adventure. From ignored or not seen to being welcome and participate. From diversity into unity and from unity into the power to make a difference. We can fight all we want. We can argue, argue with God all we want. But God will always win. Whether I like it or not, God will always win. 
Why fail in our lives if we have the opportunity, if we have the access to be with God, to learn from God, to stay the course with God? Why even fail if we have the opportunity to communicate the gospel and touch and impact this entire community with the funds that God has given us, with the mission that God has given us, with the love that God has given us for all of our community? Let me ask you very important questions. Living truthfulness is living transparently. God lives a life of truthfulness. And when I'm talking about God's truthfulness, I'm not talking about God's truth, ultimate absolute truth of scripture and God's self. I'm talking about the quality of God's genuineness. God is not a son of man to lie to us. God is never trying to trick us. God is plain and black, clear. He wants us to perform a mission. He wants us to be aware of that. And he's calling each one of us to live that life, to care for one another, to live in caring community and and deal with the special needs in our community. uh, As we were reminded by a foreigner Hispanic who came to Congress this week and read the following words, do unto others whatever you would like them to do to you. For this is the essence of all that is taught in the law and even in the prophets, it says. Echoing Obadiah's message. Echoing the message. If you fight, O Zion, but on Mount Zion will be deliverance. It will be holy, and the house of Jacob will possess its inheritance. If you have an inheritance, why then fail? Let me ask you. How is your acceptance meter of others? I don't know. But let me ask you. Can you accept other people who are not like you? I mean, not sit and have a, oh yeah, I accept because you're sitting there. Can you establish a relationship? Can you build a bridge to strangers? It is necessary for us to continue. Accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that you, so that God will be given glory. How is your meter of commitment to others? I can tell it's rather low because our committees are fed up with work, are fed up, and some are tired and taking a break. Yet others are moving into mission, but others who could are still sitting down. He gave us his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people, totally committed to good works and good deeds in our community. Let me ask you, how is your level of making a difference in other people, in, in other lives, to others around you? How's that level? Let your, shine, let your light shine before others so that they may see the good works and give glory to God. Why fail? Obadiah reminds us, if we can have the blessing of God. Why fail? if we can have God's favor on our life? Why fail if we can trust in a truthful God? Amen.